So, hello everyone, and welcome back to Watch This Space, the podcast brought to you by the Young Horologist. I'm joined, as ever, by Callan Ilkham. How are you both doing? All is very well, Felix. All is very well. Slightly delicate, slightly hungover. That was the, the beauty of lockdown. Uh, you know, drinking in your living room, but uh, all is well. Ah. Good times. I've been having a pretty healthy uh, we are... lockdown, working out. But uh, no drinking, unlike Cal, because uh, alcohol has been banned in South Africa and Swaziland for the foreseeable <laughs> future. Yeah, so it, they've actually banned sales completely because apparently it's causing the massive like rise in COVID. So I know I, I did not know that. That's I don't know either, but yeah, there's no that's more alcohol idea. basically. There's prohibition in South Africa. That's what's, that's crazy. That's pretty much, pretty much, yeah. Well, it explain why the UK is so hard. We are, we are also joined again. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> exactly. And we are also joined by oh. that mystery voice that you will have just heard. We're joined by a very good friend of ours, uh, James Kidd. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Same as uh, Callum, drinking too much. It must be why the numbers are so high in the UK. I think South Africa have probably got the right idea. Maybe Boris will ban that next, make him even more popular. But here we go. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh-huh. <sighs> Good times, good times. Um, yeah, I think as little <laughs> we always say every for the past couple of weeks, we always go, let's try not to talk about COVID, <laughs> and then we always end up talking about COVID because there's nothing else to bloody talk about. But that's why we do the podcast because instead of talking about COVID, exactly. we yes. talk about watches. That's right. So why don't we start with a wrist check from everyone? So James, yes. why don't we start with you? So with you? I'm wearing my Cartier tank because tomorrow oh, I nice. get my gold watch for 2021 in January, uh, which is a bit early, but the Santos is arriving tomorrow, so I'm very, very happy. Oh, <laughs> that's uh, sick. Okay, we'll, we'll, do a, we'll, we'll do the remaining wrist cool. checks, and I want to yeah, go yeah, back to that yeah. because the Santos has been on my watch porn yeah, list for the past brilliant. couple of months, but that's very, very cool. Um, Ricky Tang, as your yeah. Teams. You, uh, it's my same you, Sunday watch. Mate. I can't get creative. I need. I wear the same watch every weekend. It's my Tudor uh, <laughs> fast rider. So I mean, oh, nice. I don't wear anything else on weekends. I usually don't wear a watch or I wear this. So we're gonna have to change the podcast dates if we want to see something else. What? Well, it's like that, that, that's like Rick on yeah. Scottish watches. You just always yeah. wear the Panerai. What well, happened Sunday, to? This is my Sunday watch. It's a cool watch, though. I don't think. What happened to your um, your date just mother of pearl, Bill? I haven't seen that in a while. Oh, it's 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 in uh, it's another room. Yeah. I've got it here. Nice. Yeah. I, I I I don't really wear that here though. It's a bit sensitive, you know. Going <laughs> it's a bit African dictatory. <laughs> that's what that's what it is. No, 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 not that. But it's just you know, I just want my arm cut off for it. So, <laughs> so I, I just because the, fa- the fast rider looks like a toy, so it, it, people don't really want to steal it. It's that's a very cool watch. That's fair enough. Mister Moore, I think I reckon. What, what do you think it is? So we can. I think it's your old, your vintage. Oh, it is indeed, my friend. My 1967 Seiko Sportomatic that I found in a marketplace in Morocco. Why there was a 1960s Japanese watch in a North African flea market, no idea, but there we are. Uh, I do actually really like this watch. Um, I don't think it's ever been serviced or anything, but. No, it's very It good. is 1046. Yeah, I mean, mate, you've been so unlucky with watches. I mean, from Connor pouring beer all over one of them to uh, to, to them just constantly breaking, you've been unlucky. That's why. That's that's why I've gone to Swap. Felix, were you wearing an Apple Watch just now? I think I saw Felix do a cheeky watch change. Were you wearing an Apple Watch and you changed your changed your? I don't own an Apple Watch. Oh. No, no, no. I've been wearing oh, looks like an Apple Watch is far away. The recently released pinky swatch. I was about to hang up. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm not an Apple Watcher. No, it's my the latest Hidinky Swatch collaboration. The was it the 1990 or something? Really the cool. khaki one with the blue dial. Sick. The fact he it's actually like, has Hidinky watches. Yeah. You've you've kind of you just need to get one of the uh, global forcey Hidinky watches now. And uh, the next step. The next step. Is... It's a natural progression. I mean, that's a natural progression, isn't it? It's, 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 it's. How, system how do you find the System 51 in general? Because where the strap comes off the case, I always find it a bit of a weird flare out. 
and it just sits awkwardly on my wrist personally. Yeah, so if you flare out, it's quite hard to tell, but you're right, because how it because the, 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 the strap comes down at an angle and then curves around your wrist. But if you if you sort of loosen up the strap a bit on the on the wrist profile, right, right. it does still hug. It's gonna be impossible for me to show you on here really, but I know what you mean. It is it takes a bit of getting used to, but yeah, I, I really like them. I think they wear quite well. They are they're not the thinnest. Um, but yeah, they're very comfortable. I think they're a forty one or a forty. I can't I can never remember. But I had I had trouble when I had one. Because yeah. I had one and it said it was quite chunky and uh, it just wore quite quite chunky. Um, but yeah, fair, I mean you seem to like them, so fair enough to you, Felix. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, right, so I think as we mentioned, as we touched upon, I think a good place to start is hearing about this the the, the, the Santos because I have a couple. It's the of new one, one. Is yeah. it vintage or is it? It's new? um, it's a slightly older one. I think they'd, they'd call it what neo vintage. That seems to be the term everyone throws out. So um, yeah, yeah. neo vintage. Sounds like a kind of women ill <laughs> <laughs> Reference 2319, um, so mid-size 29mm, automatic, uh, really nice style, nice case, everything like that, fully serviced, which was good, it's what I've been looking for. So my goal for this year was to add the Cartier Santos to the collection, um, and then lo and behold, January, a uh, good one came up at a very, very good price, and I just couldn't say no, so now I've got nice. to come up with a new goal before the end of the year. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Is, is, or steel. Is so I I got offered quite a few of the two tones, and I don't mind them. But the the steel just works a lot better for me, and I think it's a good match next to the Cartier. And the important yeah. thing with them, too, if you're looking for one of these mid period ones, and you you may find some quite cheap. It's quite difficult to find them under two grand right now. But if you do, make sure it's the screw link bracelet, because there's the pin sleeve bracelets, and they just get wonky and horrible and misaligned, and they're an absolute pain. So always go for the screw yeah. links. Oh, okay. So, Jay, is it the um, is it mechanical? Is it quartz one? Automatic, yeah. So with the with yeah, the tank, nice, my nice. tank is the mid-sized quartz yeah. because yeah. for me the tank is a two-hander, very classic. Unless you're going with like a tank centre or American, I think you go quartz. Whereas the Santos, you know, you got more room to play with. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's a very divisive issue amongst us because I'm in the same mindset as you. Yeah. I would buy a quartz tank. For a number of reasons, I think the tank is a is a watch that's made on. Made, it's a design. It's like a it's a design object more I than mean, a piece of mechanical engineering because the movements are pretty average. And the modern automatic yeah, ones have exactly. a second yeah, and a date. That's my problem. Unless you go for the what is it, the tank Louis, and I don't want. Yeah, and I think you know it's fair to say the Kaye tank is probably the, one of the world's first fashion watches. You know, it's it's. it's all about design and i think when you're focusing yeah. on that you know the movement doesn't matter now it's not to say the quartz movement's just some cheap 20p japanese citizen quartz movement you know it's, it's a very good swiss quartz movement that the the second uh, the minute hand only jumps every half minute so it does interval jumps as opposed to a constant sweep which a quartz usually does so the battery life therefore extends for about two years to five years so it's insane like the the sort of mechanism still really great for a quartz Blimey. Granted, there's no quartz FB Jean, but it's uh, still pretty decent. Learned something new there. Didn't know that. Fair enough. Quite good. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. This is an educational podcast. Exceptional education. That's what this is. This is it. That, yeah, that's all I know about watching, by the way. So there we go. We've got that already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, thank well, you. Well, thank you for coming James. That was the most information revealed on this podcast. <laughs> I was going to say. I was going to say. <laughs> Yeah, we normally just talk about how much we <laughs> love the media and hate Rolex. And, I mean, I could jump on that bandwagon. We're good. <laughs> I mean, that could be a nice little segue into talking oh. about the new Zenith, to be fair. Oh, mate. Let's, let's not even. All right. Let's, come on. Come on. Let's talk about... Okay. I, we, we, Cal, Ilkai and I know all of our respective opinions on it, but James, exactly. I know you're a big Zenith fan. So you'd have probably seen I put on the story like um, uh, just a photo of it asking if people liked it or disliked it. I didn't say anything on it. Um, the reason being, I'm trying to withhold the comments until I view the watch, yeah. right? Because I feel like that's the fair thing yeah. to do. That being said, the design is so lazy from a company with so much heritage. Does it look great? I think the watch looks absolutely brilliant. But then again, of course it's going to. I think I think the Parnis uh, Daytona or the Alpha Daytona, they look pretty good as well. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> it's fine, right? It's easy. 
But it's just a shame to see Zenith do that. Now, is it going to be popular? Is it going to do really well? 100%. You know, I know people have already put down orders for it and they're going to be going to get it soon. So uh, it's going to be popular. But is it a lazy move from a brand with such incredible heritage? 100%. And I, I think even when I get it in, in, in the flesh, in person, I'm going to appreciate it for what it is. Incredible, you know, uh, finishing and really beautiful design. But it's lazy. And it's a shame to see from a brand like Zenith, especially, as you said, you know, I, I absolutely love Zenith, owning multiple vintage, and their, their backlog is so incredible, and they do that, you know, cheap move. Yeah. I think, I, think it's, I think it's quite an interesting move from them, because I think a lot of people are, a lot of people now who probably would have, it, like, a lot of people before this, this Zenith came out may not have thought about Zenith as an option for a luxury chronograph and that sort of price range. They would have gone, well, I can't get a Daytona, so I'll probably just get a Speedmaster. There will be exceptions to that. But I think now people are going to see this, they're going to go, hang on a minute. And this doesn't, by the way, detract away from the fact that I don't like the watch yeah. so far, but they're going to look at it and go, well, I think, sort of looks like a Daytona. I think it's and important to preface the whole thing on, on the fact that, and I think I've said it before with you guys as well, like we watch nerds make up less than 1% of the whole buyer's market, right? So it's important to remember when we're talking about it, we're talking about it from the, the least majority of the buyers. So from the mass public of buyers, as, as you just touched on, Felix, it makes perfect sense. It's going to be a good marketing move. It's going to be a good sales move. But in terms of longevity of brand, which is where we come in, the 1%, we're the people who keep that sort of um, the brands in, in, the, in the limelight, if you will. You know, I, I feel like that's where they've hit the mark with this. But in terms of a marketing and business strategies it's genius yeah <laughs> makes complete sense yeah although just to put it out there i hate the watch i mean i've seen it in the flesh yeah. i'm just trying to play it's tricky isn't it because they, they they could have given their relationship with rolex over the years in terms of supply and the movements and why they could have they could have taken something in you know and, and made it their own and said they they, they literally just carbon copied it even to the point, you know, that even the ceramic bezel kind of has the same finishing and it's 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 angled in a way the same as the Daytona, so it hits the light in the same way. So it's like if you saw it from afar, you'd be like, "Oh, it's a Daytona!" Like it, it lit like absolutely everything is spot and on. I mean, if they were a Chinese manufacturer making fake watches, they would have nailed it. <laughs> but, uh, It'd be perfect, yeah. But I think it's important to remember as well, if in the nineties with their Romero and Rainbow series. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen those watches. They look like uh, Daytonas as well. So it's not something new that Zenith have done in the 90s with the rainbow. They had like the white bezel, um, the stainless steel bezel with the white dial and the th three chrono register. And, you know, it looked very much like a Daytona. So this isn't new for Zenith. It's just, unfortunately, I thought in the sort of 2010s onwards, Zenith had moved on. From, you know, they'd, they'd gone further than that. It's like Tudor when they brought out the PMT. Now, it's a great watch. I sell them. You know, they're, they're, they're really, really, you know, what they offer for the money is fantastic. But it felt very lackluster to me compared to what they were doing before. It's like they just went to the old tricks. And it feels like Zenith are doing the same now. Considering JCB absolutely loves a pulling on heritage and, you know, reissues of watches, you would have thought they would have, they would have gone, would have gone some like a different route on that. But yeah. But, but nah. he's, not, he's not involved in nah. some other bloke. It's, it's with a French um, name. Julian. <laughs> Julian <laughs> Air, when did when did this happen? I did. I, yeah, I didn't know this. Because you... <laughs> quite a while ago. Let me fact check. Not it. looking good. Not looking good for me there. When did JC? Uh, how do you guys think that so like think design meeting went? When they were designing watch, like, how do you think? So, how do you think it was going? Like. Like, what do you think they said? They, they brought they brought a mood board and were like, oh, okay, this is our inspirations. And it was just basically a Rolex Daytona. And they're like, yes. They're, they're probably saying like our sales of new watches were zero in the past four years. <laughs> <laughs> so what should we do? Oh, let's go to the best-selling watch in the world and copy it exactly. <laughs> if they bring out a Nautilus look like now, we know we know what their crack is. But wasn't there? But this this happened with Zenith before. Do you guys remember? The it was the pilot. Do you guys remember the Zenith pilot? There was a whole situation. Yeah. There. Was it was it was it a copy of the Patek or who did it first? Or did Patek copy them? There was something like that. I think Patek copied yeah. them. I've, so so this is them yeah. kind of you know, they're 
they're with their voucher. Getting over. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I could agree with you and say um, that Patrick Fleet. Yeah, ca- I don't think so either. But there was this whole hype about that. But and and you know, yeah, it's it's. I I just agree with you guys. I think it's a super lazy design. I know, but it's, it's a tough one though, isn't it? Because um, if they no, do the heritage, I, I, I everyone so. also says the same thing. So again, to play devil's advocate, we see it all the time with like brands like Longines. Everyone's saying they're going, if only they just would make a new watch instead of copying the past all the time. It's like yeah. these brands just can't win with this as one percent. Yeah. With the market, they do fine. You know. No. Well, I remember working retail would sell the uh, Hydro Conquest, the modern sort of um, diver watch, just as well as Longines. the heritage. Yeah. Yeah, just as well as the heritage range to the mass consumers, to the mass market. But the watch nerds were like, oh, it's just boring. Why don't they just make something, something original, you know? So it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah. It's a tough one. Um, Cal, I, I, I hate to break it to you, but uh, according to John Cole Beaver's Wikipedia page, he, uh, he, I think he stepped down from 2018. Oh, that's true. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's not good for me. No. Sorry, sorry, I just thought I thought that for context that would be. You yeah. thought you'd just shame me in front of our friends, yeah? yeah. I understand. Yeah, that's, yep. that's the usual. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. What do you guys think about Zenith's reliance on their El Primero movement? Because it seems that all they do is release chronographs with El Primeros in. I mean, they've done they've done other things in the last few years that are all a little bit questionable. Um, <laughs> was it when we talked about the other day with the um, uh, what's it called the, the copier's blueprint on Defy? What? Oh yes, yeah, they did, that, and they? Yeah, yeah. They did Defy. the Defy. In the things, the actual, the actual design itself was, um, you know, it, it, it made a lot of sense. It was going on the integrated bracelet route, the the sort of sporty. Sporty steel, but I know it's titanium. But they, that was all going right, and then they released it with um, with that movement, the yeah, the crazy high the frequency. cerebral palsy movement, and it was just absolutely. <laughs> and then they have to recall quite a lot of them. Well, they never. They um. So they got to the point of of people being able to put their names down on wait lists and, and paying deposits for the watch, and then. I think they had so many problems with the high frequency of the movement causing damage to the case or something. Uh, I can't stop working on that one. This, this the... is it. My reputation is down the drain now. Cheers, guys. <laughs> James, it's fine. It's fine. No one listens. It's fine. I'm good, then. I'm good. Only our parents listen. It's fine. Like, we can say whatever. I'm sure I'm sure you can still go for a cigar with Waco. It's not like he's going to... Oh, he's going to have heard this. Um, but yeah, and then I think they had so many problems actually just trying to get the movement to work without like breaking the damaging the move, like the movement falling apart or damaging the case. That they just said, we can't, can't make this anymore. I mean, I, I, I've just that's what yeah, I mean. Their, their, their reputation has been tarnished over the last few years. That's that's sort of the point I was well, making. Well, it's worse now. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We it's haven't helped, yeah. no. but <laughs> but what is they they take their and that literally the only Zenithy thing they do is they they put the El Primero subdial collars on there. Um, it, yeah, it's, it said it's it's just it's just like one bad move for Zenith after after another. But then we I do like the A three. I say that you know oh they only ever yeah. do El Primeros, but the A three eight six. A three eight six. Yeah, yeah, the the square square one. Yeah, yeah. it's like the square one. That I think is unbelievable. Having tried that on in Watch of Switzerland, yeah, yeah, I'll do Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. great. Watch, um, yeah, that user it'll be interesting. I mean, fundamentally, I suppose the important point to, to take away from the Zenith conversation is, as James said, we make up less than one percent of the of the but of the market of the people who go buy this watch. So, fundamentally, even though we have our opinions on it, it really doesn't matter. How, um how do, how do you reckon they sort of do in terms of the mainstream retail? Because it's like it's not a household name, Zenith. You know, you know that like, you know you're always going to be able to sell tags, Rolex, Amiga, IWC, Panorama, like that. In terms of the mainstream watch market, you're always going to be able to sell them. You don't necessarily see, you know, the average guy on the street wearing a Zenith, do you? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So that's why that's why I'm wondering if you know, as James says, the the watch knows make up one percent, but I feel like for Zenith. The people who probably appreciate Zenith are the ones who actually know about watches, who know about the heritage behind it. 
Possibly. I just, I just don't think the average car salesman goes into a Zenith store and buys a, yeah. buys a Defy. Oh, no. It's, it's a tough one. It's, there's always the, the component of the guy walks into retail, or the girl walks into retail, looking for a certain watch and then gets born sick else. So there's always that side of it. You know, when, again, referring back to when I used to work retail, we used to sell a lot of Oris to people in Hamilton, to, to people who'd never even heard of Tag Heuer or Rolex or Amiga. So, you know, there's always that side of it. So there will be uh, sort of sales to other people that weren't looking for the brand, but it's nowhere near as much as, as like Tag Heuer and Amiga and Rolex. So, yeah, you make a good point, but I think it's still there's still so many people out there who buy watches who are collectors, but not part of our community, you know, I, and I have a lot of them that I deal with who are bigger collectors than some of the biggest collectors I know who are on social media, but these guys don't interact with collectors or other people. They don't care. You know, they just collect because they want to collect. They have a life. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Okay, they... That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, it's interesting, James, because you've got a very first-hand experience on the watch market. I mean, you are literally dealing with watches that is sort of the, the forefront of what you're doing at the moment yeah definitely. i mean you i mean i mean you i guess you're only focused really on the vintage stuff um because you don't wear retail anymore as you said but all the zeniths you sell mm -hmm. they don't really hang around very long i seem to remember from watching it, it varies so vintage uh you're 100 right vintage zenith go out very quick but i feel like there's a little bit of um you know when I get them in, I make a big deal of it because I do love Zenith. I think they're good value for money still. When I get modern Zenith, it's a much, uh, it's, a, it's a more difficult process. I've had a couple of their elites, so the dress style watches and the pilot yeah. chronographs. Um, and they, they've been very difficult to sell, especially the elites because of where their price point is and what it is. You know, it's a free hander with a date for the most part. Uh, granted, a really beautiful conversion of the El Primero movement, so a really gorgeous movement, very high finishing, but it's it's a tough price point. I think that price point is really difficult because there's so much option in the pre-owned world that most brands, unless you're the top brands, you just get drained out. You know, um, I'm seeing it right now with the Elise Nardin I've got because it's a brand like Elise Nardin who do absolutely atrocious watches, but the one I've got is the C Marco GMT, which is stunning, and it's a really interesting GMT function. 1999 on a bracelet, you know, works really well with straps, just over two grand. And when you consider what else you can get on the market GMT wise for that price, there's not really a huge amount of options that are proper good quality Swiss made, you know, choices. It's interesting how Zenith falls into the same category as a lot of these other brands. But as watch people, we wouldn't think so because we hear Zenith and we think of the data, think of mm -hmm. the El Premier, think of their achievements. But it just doesn't relate yeah. to modern watches. And the vintage, 100%. The modern, not so much. Yet, it's um that that you lease Nardet. Interesting. I'll just share my screen because <clears> I don't know whether Callan Ilkar would have seen it. It's a, it's a really cool it's a really cool watch. I I went to when when James first yeah. it up, I went to him and I went, hang on, why has it got two date windows? Because <laughs> obviously I couldn't see the six pm. And then obviously James told me that that is the the GMT display. Obviously for people listening, I'll put a photo of this up in the show notes. But, is it? but that's the GMT at eleven. Yeah, and you've got, are, yeah, so it's 10 past six. Yeah, so okay. you've got the, um, the two pushes as well. So the two pushes are actually to progress and um, sort of bring the time back on the hour hand as opposed to the GMT. So you can keep the GMT on what you always want it set to and you change your local time when you land in a new country. Same way the Patek Nord, um, Aquanor works, the travel time Aquanor. I forget the reference to that. Yeah. But it's that same concept. And it's really interesting that you can get that because that's not, um, you know, that is in, interesting. in anything else of that kind of price point. But they, they fall under the same what years is nine, roughly. So just neo vintage, nice. as they always say, which is it's a nice it's, it's it's a nice looking it's a nice looking watch. Mm. It's got a, it's it's quite a nice application of Fotina, which isn't something yeah. that well I suppose is it Fotina or is it just I, I believe it is, yeah. It's, it's, it's it is of the age where it could be normal patina, but I don't think it is. It's it's faux patina, yeah. But I I I think it's I think it's a cool and very unusual looking watch. I think that's very cool. Yeah. I've learned so much today already. Usually it's just really bad bands, but we're actually <laughs> learning learning things. It's great. It's really interesting. Very interesting. I mean it, it, if it, say on this topic, I mean what have you seen over the last year, James? Because obviously you've been carrying on working the whole time and the world is slowly being collapsing around yeah. us. I mean um, it's 
just out, out of interest, have you seen anything slow down? Interestingly, or trends, only, from, from last year, 2020 to 2019, 2020, we were up sales by 50% and up volume uh, of units by 25%. So it was a really amazing year. I really can't complain. And I feel you know, incredibly grateful for that because I know, as you said, the whole world's burning around us and watch buyers are like, yay, another watch. You know, it's quite quite sort of comical in some way to see the two polar opposites. But it's it's been interesting to see because there has been differences in certain things. I think the hot and top models and the Rolexes and stuff, depending on who you speak to, it's different. But for me, they don't fly out as quick as they were. They stick around a little bit longer. I think people are hesitant on those sort of things that seem, you know, in a market too good to be true, right? Because in any other market, in investment terms, if something's going up that much and it keeps going up that much and it's going at that kind of scale, it's probably not going to last, right? We see it every day with Bitcoin going up and down and all sorts. Yeah. And we just assume the same yeah. logic applies and it doesn't to some degree. So I, I'd seen them slowing down just of hesitation. But the increase in, in unusual watch purchases, and maybe that's because focusing that a lot more, but unusual watches seem to be going out a lot quicker than anything else. You know, the oddballs, the stuff like the Ulysse not then. It, it's been an interesting shift. And I don't know whether that's just because, again, my business is shifting more towards that. You know, we get a lot of that stuff in. So therefore, obviously, it's going to be more of that or whether the market's shifting towards that. I have no idea. Mm. Yeah. But is it interesting because obviously you've, you've, had, you've had quite a lot of Rolex in, mm-hmm. in and out and I thought like you've sold them all yeah, pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> but you, uh, you do have the weird and wonderful, James. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's just... A, collecting what I like, you know, because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's going to be around for yeah, a while yeah, yeah. I enjoy it. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Complete, yeah. I think that, yeah. But do you think maybe it's because people have so much more time because they can't actually do anything fun that they just spend more time researching? So when, again, not to keep bringing up coronavirus, but it's obviously a big part of this this conversation really with it, the... The start of the lockdown, the first lockdown, um, the first month was terrible. I think I sold like three watches. It was it was just disgusting. And I really was thinking like, this is the end. Because obviously I'd only gone full time for a couple of months up until that point. Um, again, through no choice of my own. <laughs> yeah. So I was sort of forced into full time with this. And I was like, you know what? We're going to do it. It's going to be all right. Christmas was banging. It was amazing. And I was going into the new year, buying up as much stock as possible because January is usually pretty quiet. So I was in a good position because it got busier. Yeah. Then coronavirus hit and it just went to shit. And I was like, oh no, this is the end. You know, I'm going to go bankrupt and I'm going to have all these watches which are worthless. But after that first <laughs> month, sales just skyrocketed. It was like a switch in a day. I had like five orders in one day. And then it just continued at like stupidly silly rates. And I was getting stuff in and emailing people. And it was going out before I even had a chance to put it on Instagram. So there were so many behind the scenes deals as well. And it just kept going and going and going. And it was because people hit that point of panic slowed down. Now, granted, everyone's still concerned, but panic slowed down. Rationality kicked in. You know, we're, we're a first world country. We should be okay. You know, we, we can get through it. It's going to be impacts to the economy long term, all this kind of short term. Sorry, Lucas. <laughs> short term, it's going to be all right. So I think people just got bored, as you said, was on the website a lot and just buying stuff. Yeah, 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 agreed. I mean, I was buying a lot of random crap. I think I I bought a guitar, which wasn't random. <laughs> I, I did buy one. Yeah, I know what you mean, because everyone's just sat around bored, and it's well, yeah, like, and you can't go- you're not spending money on going on holiday yeah. or anything, so they think, oh, let's buy, let's buy what? Yeah. And that mortgage holiday was brilliant, to to for- because all my big buyers, they got that mortgage holiday, and for them, they just thought it was free money. It's like they didn't comprehend, they still got to pay it at some point, so it was great. They just kept buying more watches. <laughs> can't complain. There you go. <laughs> Well, see, you've sold you've sold Pateks as well. That's what I always keep forgetting. You sold some pretty uh, serious Pateks. Pateks and uh, FP Jean Chronometric Blue and a couple of other sort of big time pieces. Oh, so yeah. this this is the thing with what I do. I get a lot of people um, sort of look at what we do, and we do from a couple of hundred quid. You know, we really do the basic entry level vintage awesome pieces for two hundred quid, all the way up to we've got a Langer on the website at the moment. Um, our, our second or Langer that we've, yeah. we would have sold once themselves, but there's stuff behind the scenes that people don't see. So I get collectors come to me who are very conscious about not being public in any way, and they're big collectors, so they want their stuff sold yeah. behind the scenes. So again, it's all this stuff that no one sees, and it's it's great, but it's also one of those things where sometimes I get referred to as the the little vintage dealer, and it's like 
Yeah, there's that, but there, there is a few big, big players in it. I promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Did you have a will time? You had a Patek. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the one that the globe yeah. on the dial. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, we, we've been very. So that's what you've done very cleverly. Is you've you've built genuine personal relations with quite yeah. quite serious collectors. So as I said, you don't really have to. I feel like I feel like these guys are giving you things to sell for them, and then you sell it to the other ones. Who I am, like I, we we stock a lot of watches, usually under the two two and a half thousand pound price point, which we buy in ourselves. So that's our own stock over that price point, and that's changed a lot in the past year. You know that used to be a thousand pounds, and it's gone up now. So we're very fortunate that thing increased. But beyond that, most of it's what we call consignment, which is where we we take it in on behalf of the collector, sell it on their behalf and take a commission. Very simple business process, but a lot of dealers don't offer it. The reason being is twice as much work for a lot less usually, because you've got to balance the relationship with the person who owns the watch to the person you're selling the watch to. So you still got to do all that selling, but still balance this person on the other side throughout the whole process. So there's, there's two lines of communication and it's just a lot more work. And usually the commissions aren't as good, especially when you take off VAT and everything like that, which we have to pay. So because of that, not many people do it, which means I've been very fortunate to be one of the few people who publicly do it. And a lot of people come to us for it. Um, so there's that side of the business, which is very, very, very good because these people are collectors. So when I sell that person's watch, let's just say a Rolex Submariner or whatever, and we get eight and a half grand for it and I take 10%. They then take that money they've got and usually put it into another watch. And because it's already with me, you know, it usually comes through me as well. So I sell for them and then sell to them. Sure. It's a 360 business. <laughs> and it's what I hoped for four or five years ago. And everyone thought I was mental, but it's worked incredibly well. So I can't complain at all. You're creating your own market here, James. <laughs> Even though we just got on Corona 24 a couple of days ago. But yeah, we'll, we'll take over. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, no, no, it's good. It, it's it's been fascinating because obviously we were mates when. Um... God, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? We were mates before he was famous, <laughs> but we 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 sort of been involved a few yeah. like on the yeah, on I mean, the way up. Because at the time, yeah, you know, you were selling each other for a long time. pretty questionable yeah, pieces, exactly. like on the. <laughs> We've known each other for a long. Yeah, I I I, I, I then, remember uh... coming into Beaver Brooks in yeah. Stratford and coming and saying hello when you were doing retail. Yeah, I mean that was. When you work for other people, James. It's crazy. I work myself. Well, that just is part of the the experience, isn't it? For sure. I mean, I've been, I'm grateful for it all. Granted, looking back to certain things, but I worked in auction and I worked in retail and that gave me a lot of experience on how those worlds work, which is good because obviously the pre-owned world is different, but I still know how that operates so I can leverage it. Um, An auction just gave me a huge amount of experience in terms of handling the watches. So we would get three to 500 watches a month there. And I was one of the lead watch people at the, in the team. So I would handle pretty much every single one. I'd write the descriptions and do the photography for them. So that's a lot of hands-on experience every single month. And I was only there for three or four months. But that, that time yeah. was, you know, it was incredible and, and hugely valuable to the experience. Amazing. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible when you think that you started selling Sitton Eagle 7s that you'd picked up yeah. on eBay for like five quid and now you're here. It's pretty, yeah. what a journey. Yeah. It's amazing. I think it was almost you started being viral from that video of you falling <laughs> off your bike and breaking your watch. Yeah, that yeah. was one of my favourites. That was app. about six. It's, it's the noise you make when you're lying on the floor. It's great. It's, it's the, it's the <laughs> that you can't really make it. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. So, no, 100%. That was so it, I've been doing YouTube noise. videos uh, regretfully for that long. And they are incredibly embarrassing, but I leave them there to show the process because I get, I, I'm, I get, I'm, I get some people email me who want to become dealers, and they're like 15, 16 years old, and they're worried about, you know, what their friends would think and all this kind of stuff. And I literally just send them my my old YouTube channel, and I'm like, look, I'm worried about what your friends think. I've left this here, and people refer to it. I had a screenshot yesterday of a guy on Instagram. Um, of, I'll find it actually. Here we go. He's just screenshotted me the photo, and just said, you look like a mug. And like that was it. That's all he said. I can't find it. But literally, just that. Wait, was this a friend or someone just sending you abuse? Maybe he's taking it down, but it was just in the request. Just a photo of me on his TV, and I'm the mug, and I'm thinking, you're watching me on a big TV, mate. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, so the point is, like, <laughs> the point is, I was gonna say. it's all part of the process, all part of the story, and I think it just makes it very honest. Yeah. It makes it very real. 
you know, I'm just a normal, normal guy like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I mean, what do you see? So I know we sort of had this conversation a year ago, and obviously things have things have moved on. But what do you see? What end of the business you want to be in moving forward? Because obviously you were saying at the time when we last spoke, you wanted to move maybe away from the consignment and having your own stock. And now you do sort of it do was have definitely, your own stock. It was definitely doing your... more of that. So my a year ago, my thought process was if I can find a way to get a good injection of capital and use that capital to buy the stock instead of consigning it and make more profit, right? But I got yeah. part way through that in terms of buying more stock and I realized the 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 other end of it the the thing you can't measure the roi you can't measure of that relationship you build by consigning a watch wasn't there and therefore that future sale wasn't there as well and again it's stuff you can never track it's not like you can look at a spreadsheet and go that that, that's the point but it was it just was a good feeling so what i did was i increased the purchase price that we would buy in and and that's gone very well you know it's over doubled since that year which is brilliant and we've we've been very fortunate to have a lot of stock now but the consignment I decided to keep open and actually get even more aggressive with. You know, we were doing more consignment as well as buying more of our own stock. So the amount of stock holdings increased exponentially and the amount we get through the door has increased as well. So there's a lot of stuff, again, I think I said it earlier, that people don't see. So there's a lot of sales behind the scenes. There's a lot of stuff that I filter through auctions and different things. Um, so I'm in a very fortunate position to really... I like how the business is going. I like the progress it's making. You know, as I said, over 50% sales during a pandemic last year compared to the year before. And this year, I'm aiming for about 70% increase on last mm. year. And it's it's on track so far. Um, which, you know, I, I think it's wow. just a testament to just keep going how I'm, how I'm doing it. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. To change tack slightly... And we, we can obviously we can obviously you know keep filtering in a couple more questions because it's very interesting for the listeners and even us to find out some stuff that we didn't even know about your business and the trends you're seeing and everything. Um, it, I feel like doing a podcast this Sunday, we would be remiss to not talk about the fifty seven eleven <laughs> being discontinued. Do we want to? Give, I think we should give that at least a little bit of airtime and talk about the rumored replacement. The sixty seven because that's. Ilka's getting excited now if you like talking about politics. Because let's be honest, <laughs> let's be honest, is it really that big a deal? Because you couldn't get the 57. You can't get the new one that's going to come out. It's been discontinued and you're not going to be able to get the 67. In your dreams. So. It's just not going to happen anyway. But what do you think about the watch? Because I've seen a rumour and I, and I said this to the, to the group. I'll try and find the Instagram photo. It's titanium and all that. It's going to be 41 yeah. mil, titanium, no date. But I mean, uh, this is just a rumor, right? Uh, where, where, where did that rumor come from? Yeah, so it's, so, it's, it's a rumor and photoshopped picture for sure. I mean, yeah. I, I think yeah, techaholic. Yeah, Whether yeah. it came from him, I think he was one of the lead people sharing it. Um, I, I, I don't believe it. I don't believe Patek are going to do us. I mean, it, it could happen, but a titanium sports watch is a core model. Um, it just doesn't feel like yeah. something they're doing, especially considering the heritage of the Nautilus being the steel sports watch, right? You know, it just yeah. seems very, yeah, very odd I, move. Um, I, I, I like the no date much. idea, but I don't believe that's the watch they're going to release. I don't, I don't think so. No. And now that people have been sharing, I think Titanium would be a very interesting watch, move, if it, even if it was. That's how Patagar. Yeah, but you got to remember. Okay, got to remember, we agreed that the guys that yeah, yeah, they, they don't own modern technology, so, so they wouldn't know what's being shared on social media. <laughs> yeah, it's not, they, they wouldn't know there's been a rumour floating around. But no, no, I do, I do agree. He said they were at the forefront of basically inventing the steel sports yeah. watch, so they're not going to yeah, go, fuck it, let's make it titanium. They're, they're still allowing the, go, the gold one. That, they're still, that one's still in production. So, if that's saying it, yes, it is. Anything. Yeah. Okay. Basically, Pat. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but they, sorry, yeah, they had already discontinued back. the white dial 50 yes, again. Yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah. It was just okay. a ticking time bomb, really, for them to do it. I, I think you know it, it shouldn't have come to a surprise like it has done for a lot of the industry. I have no idea why everyone's so surprised that they yeah. discontinued it. Um, and in terms of pre-owned prices, I mean they're already so ridiculous, and a lot of it you got to remember a lot of it 
to a buy of a deal as anyway. Yeah. So you'll see 10 on Chrono 24 for sale for, I don't know what the price are, let's just make one up, you know, 65 grand. I'm, uh, I'm looking at the moment. Yeah. It's uh, about 60 grand, yeah. On Chrono 24, we've got 711. Yeah, so there you grand. go. But you've got to remember, this is proper. <laughs> so what? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. What? What? Time only? What? I thought that was a chrono. I, I knew. I knew they were in like sixty seventy. Yeah, that was the overnight grand. That was the overnight. Jesus Christ! You can buy fifty nine seventy for about that much. And uh, these guys aren't shy. No. It's just so. And the thing is, I've seen guys take. I know guys delivery a few days ago. Like a few yeah. days ago, people were taking delivery from the really? boutique. I knew guys who were on the wait list and they took delivery. Like, I knew two guys actually, and they actually received them. So, I don't know how, how many of those waitlist people they're going to fulfill or they're just going to do a hard stop. So, you just buy one of those. That's I know insane. they're different watches. Yeah. But how mad is it that you can get a complicated, a per cow Patek? An annual calendar, for yeah. Half the price. But that's arbitrary anyway. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're already unattainable, and now they're just going to be right. even more Wait, unattainable. Felix, just, just, just put in 5396 and share your screen. That's, I, if you ask me, that's the best Patek on the market right now. Yeah, mate. I mean, just to move. That, like, I, I, I would rather own three of these in different iterations than a Nautilus right now. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, Felix, can you share your screen? Which one is it? The Oh, sorry. I thought I thought for, I for not for our Spotify listeners, but for just, just... <laughs> <laughs> not not for the listeners. And not that one. Okay, it's Moonface. Yeah, fifty-three ninety-six. It's right. right uh, bro, scroll down. Mm, it's not that one. It's the Brogue numerals. No, none of these, Felix. Bear with me. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll find. I'll find it. See, I think you're the reference. No, I'm pretty wrong, sure. Uh, fifty-three ninety-six. Yeah. Um, but either way, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, I would any day of the week take a take a complicated. I mean, uh, the point, yeah. And that's not just me being the the kid who's like, I can't get one, so I'm just going to complain about it. It's uh, you get more watch. Yeah, 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 one though, because a lot of people say this, and they, uh, I think the best comparison is the Grand Seikos. You know, a lot of people say the same thing. If they had the money, I'd get a Grand Seiko. But when it comes to actually having the money, most people don't do it. And I think the reason being, you know, it's all well and good saying these kind of things, but when you put your money where your mouth is and you look at the saying that's that's 35, 40 grand for a complicated protect and it's beautiful, or at the time, 25 grand more, and you get something that's going to potentially go up like it is, uh, most people will probably go, you know what, I, I want more money, you know. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, that's just the reality yeah, of it. Yeah. It's the same we see with Rolex all the time. You know, you can get a very nice... Yeah. I know for a fact, I was just going to say, you can get very nice watches oh, yeah. over them Rolexes for those kind of prices. You know, we've got a Langer at the moment, which is less than a modern Submariner. It makes yeah. no sense. It's ridiculous. But they're, they're two different worlds. They're two completely different worlds. Yeah. yeah. But this is, this, yeah. this is a new thing. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I was going to agree with you in this the sense. This is a very new if thing. I... This, whole, this whole, like, watches jumping up like Bitcoin. That's that wasn't happening mm-hmm. 15 years ago. That was not that was not the case. All, if you look at because I've been following auction, auction, yeah. auction yeah. house. Yes, internet. It's the hype. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. pop culture. It's it's contributing to all this. It's it's not necessarily you know people like watches more now. It's just that there's this like fantasy around certain brands and certain and certain models, um, and it's just the hype that's been building up for the past few years. Yeah, I think there's the pop culture side of it. People want to be seen wearing things that other people are wearing and it's cool and it's trendy. I also think part of it is just the inner, the, the inner want for people to earn more money. You know, it's, it's very basic of people want to be able to buy something and know it's going to be worth more. And it's a difficult thing I always combat because I'm, I get phone calls every single day asking, what's the next investment? What should I buy? I've got this much. How, what should I? And it's just like, it's so boring. Because for me, you know, it's, you should buy what you like. You know, watches as Roman Shaft. I don't know if you guys watch yeah. him. He says they're expensive toys, and it's the mm. perfect way to put it. These are expensive toys. They are not useful in today's society. We do not need them. You know, a mini repeater is the coolest thing ever, but it's the most yeah. useless thing ever. Like it's completely useless. But yeah. like we love it, and we should buy it because we live it. But it's gone into a different realm, as you said. Yeah, it's gone into a different realm, and, and art has gone yeah. into a different realm in the same sense. You know, it's investment. Now. 
and it's just sad to see and sad to see but it's also one of the things that grows the industry you know the, when the paul newman hit the the numbers it did it did bring people into the industry you know weeks later there were phone calls from people saying i saw the auction results do you think x watch could be worth that and these are people who have never bought a watch in their life and they're only buying it to put away in a safe and yeah. it's bringing new people in it's helping the industry financially but is it going to help it in the long run uh, that's the that's the real question that we just don't know the answer to Mm. I mean, it's interesting because the um, mm -hmm. Alfredo Parmico doesn't he run a fund that yeah, invests into white patics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's quite a few people Rolex. doing that kind of thing. Again, it's all very on the hush hush, and most people don't know. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of sort of funds out there that do that kind of thing. Um, again, it's just it's put into an asset class, right? We watches are no longer just collectible things. I mean, I had the, um, I don't know if you guys remember, it, New World Stock Seiko 62 mass. And it, it sold for the most money yes, 62 yeah, yeah. mass has ever publicly sold for. Um, and I believe still to this day. So, you know, we're talking about watches that are a Seiko diver, that's vintage, that broke <laughs> the, over over five and a half grand, you know. Mm. It, it's, it's crazy when you consider these things. So everything, it's all both rises, isn't it? Yeah, but then you just got to ask, is that just collectability? Yeah, exactly. Is that just we all like collecting things? There's so many nuances and facets to this. Yeah, this whole conversation of investment and watches and yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a difficult thing to to really nail down to one thing or one reason or whether it's good or bad. You know, it's it's such a mix. Yeah, completely, completely. It's very interesting. I mean. This this is just probably the most educational and the most um, <laughs> interesting podcast we've done. I reckon probably <laughs> it, it def it's definitely up there. Definitely, that's no, good because obviously we, we James has got first hand experience of on the other side. So he said we everything we talk about tends to be from the perspective of people who collect and are keen about watches, whereas you're actually sort of involved in the market itself. Um, it's interesting to see how. How you see the, the way the world lies at the moment, um, as it has done. I, d I just wonder if this this um, momentum is going to crash at some point with certain things. Because remember, Felix and I were having this conversation the other day with um, Universal Polyrouters. So I remember they were probably a thousand pounds four years ago for sort of the general general area, and then <laughs> crazy. Exactly. 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 It is. It's. It's. It's this thing. It's. It, it's man. You just wonder if this upward trajectory is uns, unsustainable, or if, may, if maybe it's it, all whether it's going to There will be a ceiling for watches like that. There's going to get to a point where no one's going to spend five grand. But on a we, we always say this, but, but then I think the comparison markets are cars and paintings, right? I mean, they've been saying the same thing in those markets for the past thirty years, yeah. and the ceiling still hasn't been reached. World records are still being broken, and all boats are rising. You know, there's a wider collection of, of painters that are now collectible than there were yeah. 20 years ago. So watches is just the same thing in terms of it being a, a, a non-necessity item that is a lot of money that we spend on to have, like art and cars, right? It's, it's that same market. So I think yes, yeah, I, I yeah. agree that it's, a, it's an upwards climb and it could very well crash. And this is why I say don't invest in watches. You know, it's it's a very risky thing. As long as all your eggs aren't in one basket, no, I think yeah, you can yeah. definitely. I mean, it's my business, obviously. So you know, there are well, yeah. times where you can make money, but to do it as a side thing, just randomly, is it's a difficult thing. But I, I don't think it will crash. I think more and more people are buying them. As, as long as it's not propped up by dealers, you know, which is what happens in some smaller markets, like what happened with Hoyers a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember auction results on vintage Hoyers were through the roof, and they just like halved for a couple of weeks. Yeah. The reason being, it was mm. other auctions and other dealers buying the stock to prop up their own stock, which was priced at three and a half grand. So they'd buy the one at two and a half grand to protect their three and a half grand, right? So this, when that happens, yeah. of course, this, it's eventually going to get to the point where there's dealers out there with, as we've seen, 30 hawks that they can't ship, right? So then that's when a crash starts happening. But I think your vintage models mm. like the Universal Genie Porota, I think people are buying those, collectors are buying those. They are buying them at the prices that you see. So as long as that continues, like the end consumer with it the, on their wrist, then, then it's not going to pop. I don't see how it could. No. Yeah, it's a good point. 
pretty good on Smash Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, the thing is, it's like people. No. I mean, I, I can't wait to buy my poor new 6264 for 25 quid in, from a really dodgy bloke around the back of Sainsbury's. I can't wait. Who's open? Sorry, I don't know. People watching Soccer UK. I do hear that, Sorry. You cut out briefly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. that's, that's what I said. Dodgy bloke around the back of Sainsbury's. That's what I'm saying. That's your strap line, isn't it, James? <laughs> well. I don't know if there's anything that anyone else wants to talk about. We've hit, we're, we're probably at around 50 minutes or so. Is there anything else people want to get into? Or should we just, I thought it's been a very educational episode. Episode. Incredible. Pleasure. I, I think. I've enjoyed it. I mean, it. I, 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 I know we've said this for the last couple of guests that we've had on, but we will definitely have to Good have point. you back on again, James, because outside of wanting to give the listeners a chance to find out more about your business etc i think it's just been a really you're a really informative person to have on with your perspective of being a dealer and having worked retail and auction and everything i mean as cal said he's learned more this episode than any of the past this is the most watch information lot, cal so, um, has heard in his life <laughs> yeah. Yeah. no i appreciate you guys and i'd love to definitely come on again and i think what you guys do with mainly collectors and and those kind of things i think is really interesting you should definitely stick to that because dealers, it can get very boring very quick because it's usually the same conversation about Rolex and investment. But I'd be more than happy to come on again. And uh, yeah. when uh, Paul Newman's at 25 quid, I think it'll be very interesting. <laughs> yeah, de- exactly. Definitely. Bring bring on bring on that day for definite. Um, but yeah, thank you, James, for coming mm. on. And thank you, thank you. On, as always, for, for coming on and, and joining. And thank you to every well to everyone for listening thank you to the small group of people who listen um hope you're enjoying the the regularity of the podcast we've got more exciting guests coming on in the next coming weeks and months yeah so actually we've got some quite ridiculous guests coming on uh which is going to be very exciting um (laughs) james your friend (laughs) waco not tell you he would be a cracking guest but i think we're I think we're way off there. But yeah, um, thank you to everyone for listening. And uh, yeah, we will catch you next week.